Hello and welcome to episode 20 of the Spiritual Success Podcast. So I've been very lucky this week to have Christine Rodriguez as a guest on the podcast. Christine is a Vedic astrologer, a yoga teacher and a social worker and she is so generous with the information that she shares with us in this week's podcast episode. I have been fortunate enough to have a Vedic astrology reading with Christine. I found it to be exceptionally accurate. It's really drawn me over to the side of Vedic astrology whereas we usually used to seeing western astrology which is amazing as well but if you have an open mind and you're open to hearing about a different way of looking at astrology you're really going to enjoy this episode Welcome to the Spiritual Success Podcast with me, Liz Roberta, a place for spiritual people who want to grow, learn and succeed in life and in business. I'll be talking to successful spiritual entrepreneurs, authors and thought leaders to understand what creates a meaningful and soul aligned life. So come on in, Lightworkers. This is your time to shine. Hi, Christine. Hi, Liz. Thank you so much for joining us today. I was so lucky to have the pleasure of having a reading with you. So I'm so excited to go a bit deeper into Vedic astrology today and really help my listeners to learn more about what it is and why it's different from Western astrology and the benefits that they can find from Vedic astrology. So first of all, would you mind telling us a bit about your story and how you got into this line of work as a Vedic astrologer and a yoga teacher and social worker? Sure. Well, I mean, Liz, first of all, just thank you so much for having me on. You have such a sweet audience from what I've experienced so far. So it's just like super sweet to be in your space and connect with your people. I really appreciate it. And yeah, so getting into Vedic astrology, I think that it's pretty like not unique to my story in that I've been interested in astrology since I was really little. I feel like that this is something that's pretty common with people who are interested in astrology. They see like a zodiac sign or they see a, a book on astrology and they're immediately fascinated. And I have my own theories as to why that may be um, just old souls coming into the world. But I was introduced to Western astrology by my mom when I was around like seven or eight, she gave me a Western sun sign book. And I was incredibly just interested in it and so fascinated with how it could work. I wanted to understand how it worked, uh, why it worked, how it was relevant. I wanted to learn about the people around me, always been interested in the stars. And when I was in like maybe 15 or 16, I started seeing my first therapist. And I love therapy, by the way, very pro therapy. I've been therapy ever since. And so I saw my first therapist when I was 15 or 16 and in a way to connect with me, she used astrology. She found out I liked astrology. She had this massive book on astrology and it was Western astrology, but she would go through it with me and it broke down the characteristics from the month to the week. And so it took like Taurus, for example, and broke it up into like three or four subdivisions, like May 8th to May 15th or whatever. And I was like, okay, okay. Like this is getting closer. Like I, there's something about this. I don't understand it yet, but this book is closer to what I was doing. And so again, like having that experience with her really made me love therapy. It deepened my love for astrology. And then when I was 
2018, I moved to Austin. And then a few years later, I was introduced to my first Vedic astrology teacher. And so he was the first formal astrology teacher I had. He was a Vedic astrologer and it made everything even more specific than that book. And that was what I was looking for. I just needed everything to be more specific and precise. And when I found Vedic astrology through him, it was just um, a never ending love story ever since. <laughs> and that was also where I was introduced to yoga. So my first Vedic astrologer and my astrology teacher, he had opened a yoga studio here in Austin. And I, you know, I started cleaning the toilets for free yoga. And then I got a job at the desk and then I took teacher training and became a teacher. And then I was just there for a year. So it was kind of like my yoga home. That was where I expanded in yoga, expanded in astrology. Yeah, it was a really sweet experience. Wow. I love that. I love the story about the toilets and literally working your way up. That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, I think that you know better than anyone that sometimes you have to make sacrifices for the things you love. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, of course, of course. And I've seen on your, your kind of social media that you've done a lot of traveling as well. So have you done retreats with your yoga or done yoga training abroad? Yeah, I love traveling to study, first of all, because I feel like it totally clears my mind. If I'm home, it's like I, I'm still thinking of my responsibilities and things I need to do. And when I travel, it takes that from me. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate with that. And so that being said, I have traveled a lot for yoga, specifically Ashtanga yoga, which is another great love of mine. I taught this morning, still teaching it. And I went to India. I went to Mysore, India to study. So, so, so grateful for that experience with the Joyce family. And so I studied with Sarah Swati Joyce. She's the daughter of Patabi Joyce. And I studied Ashtanga yoga with her. And while I was there, I also had the opportunity to study Sanskrit and some other really amazing ancient teachings, which, um, yeah, it was just, it was a very incredible experience. I highly recommend it if you ever want to go and learn, you know, like from the source, from the source land, in my opinion. And I plan on going back as soon as things are safe and traveling is opening up again. Of course, of course. And am I right in thinking that Vedic astrology originated in India? Vedic astrology did. And it's often also referred to as Hindu astrology. So you could hear it be referred to as Hindu astrology or Vedic astrology. Okay. And what's the difference between Vedic astrology and Western astrology? This is the question that everyone's going to want to know. Yeah. And it's such a great question. And so Western astrology is a more seasonally based system, right? So it's like every spring is the beginning of the zodiac and Aries begins, I believe in the Western system, it's like March 23rd, something like that, Aries begins. And so there's a big emphasis on the seasons with Western astrology. But what I can speak more to with Vedic astrology is that Vedic astrology accounts for the procession of the equinox. And so essentially the way in which the stars are relating to earth because of the procession of the equinox, they're going to shift about one degree every 72 years. So that means that slowly over time, it's going to, the stars are going to move back. Okay. So for example, where thousands of years ago, 
Aries may have began in March in the Vedic system. Now it's beginning in April. And so the Vedic astrology system is astronomically precise. It's looking at the astronomically precise placement of the planets. So if you were to download a star app, so like you have a star app on your phone, you go outside and you hold it up to the sky, wherever the planets are, that's the placement that we use. Um, So right now, what it's like March 3rd. And so in the Western system, the sun would be in the sign of Pisces. But if you were to go outside with your star app and hold the app up to the sky, you'd see the sun is astronomically in the constellation of Aquarius. And so that's that's the difference. Um, Again, with the tropical system, it's just staying in alignment with that seasonally based system. Is that did that make sense? Yeah, no, that was perfect. And which is the tropical system for people who don't know? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The tropical system is the Western system. And then the Vedic system is the sidereal. But this can get kind of confusing because there are people who use the Vedic way of calculating, but they use the tropical zodiac. So you will find some some differences there. But what I study is Vedic sidereal. And again, the sidereal is the astronomically precise. And is that what drew you to it? Or was it because you found the right teacher? I would definitely say that just knowing that that's where the planets are, it's, you know, I, I think that there can be truth in all of it. I feel like that the cosmos are so vast and I feel like there is so much to what truth is and what truth means and how people find a truth. And so I think that if a system of astrology works for you, then that's the system of astrology. If it works for you, if you find it healing, if you resonate with it 100%, that's your astrology. And for me, everything about Vedic astrology resonates with me. I like the precision. And from what I found in my own study and my own research, this system is incredibly accurate and can be used so well for things like prediction and like predicting life events, personality qualities, (laughs) events in people's lives. So this is just the system that I love. And it's just so, so incredibly magical and special. Well, you're doing an incredible job of sharing about it. And as I said, I've been incredibly fortunate to have a Vedic astrology reading with you. And that was really my first introduction to it. I mean, obviously, I'd heard about it. And I've had uh, Western astrology readings in the past, but this was my first Vedic astrology reading. And I can attest to how accurate it is. But it was kind of confusing because my Western ones were also accurate. Mm -hmm. But when you're looking at a chart, what are some of the key things that you're looking for? Because when I saw the chart you were looking at for Vedic, I was like, well, this looks completely different. It was all (laughs) rectangular. So can you talk a bit about that and what you're looking at when you pull up a chart? Yeah, definitely. And I actually I have your chart pulled up in front of me and it's just like, this is why your reading was so good because you have such a phenomenal chart. Yay! <laughs> you need to give a good reading when someone has such a great chart. Yeah. And so this has two answers because I have what I'm going to look at for a chart if I'm preparing for a reading. And then I have what I'm looking for in a chart if it's my own personal bias. Okay. And so if I'm like teaching, because I do teach helping people get introduced to Vedic astrology and just understanding the fundamentals, like orienting them to the chart. And then I do a little bit more advanced stuff as well. But when we're sitting down to begin 
looking at a birth chart and trying to understand an individual. The first things, in my opinion, that are going to be incredibly important are the rising sign, looking at a person's first house. Are there planets in the first house? Then I want to see where the first house ruler goes. Is it in good dignity? Is the planet afflicted? Is it beneficial? Is it in a good house? You know, is it what sign is it in? And then I want to see the same thing with the moon. Where is the moon placed? Are there aspects to the moon? Is the moon conjoined other planets? Because looking at the moon is going to give me insight into how this person's mind operates. It's also going to show how receptive to astrology they're going to be a lot of the time, how optimistic they're going to be, how easily they're going to move through life. Or the contrary, maybe they're going to struggle with some anxiety. Maybe they're going to struggle with some depression. So we can learn a lot from the moon and the placement of the moon. And so, for example, you know, I'm looking at your chart and you're in your first house, you have Jupiter. You have Jupiter in your first house. Jupiter does super well in the first house. It's receiving full directional strength. It's going to make you a natural teacher, a natural leader. Your first house ruler is exalted in one of the most beneficial houses. And, you know, of course, your moon is going to give you so much of this organization and analytical ability. So just by looking at those three things, I'm already getting insight into what kind of person I'm going to be interacting with. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. And just to clarify, for people who don't know, my moon is Virgo, hence why she said about the organization and anxiety. Can I attribute my anxiety to that as well? Yeah, I, I would definitely say so. You have in your chart what's called a Chandra Mangala Yoga. And this is where the moon and Mars, they could either be conjoined or they could be seven signs apart. And what this does is it creates an entrepreneur, but it can also create some disharmony with the mother, um, you know, just some, maybe some difficulties there. And it can also, it can bring a little disease to the mind, maybe some stress, like you said, it could bring some of that anxiety as well. Amazing. And how do you tell the future from someone's chart? Yeah, So in Vedic astrology, we have transits, and this is how the current astronomical weather is going to impact any given chart. So we can look at transits for literally anything. We can look at it for your chart. We can look at it for a business. We could pull up a chart for a business if we know when it was opened. We could look at the chart for the United States. That's super popular in Vedic astrology is looking at the chart for the United States and transits. So again, that's just the astronomical climates, like a weather forecast, what's going to be happening for this chart. And then in addition to that, we have the Dasha system. And the Dasha system is planetary periods. You're going to run in the course of your life various planetary periods. You're going to go through Mercury, maybe. It's unlikely someone's going to go through all of them, but it's possible to go through Mercury, Rahu, Jupiter, Saturn. And depending on how good of dignity that planet is, it's going to determine how more or less auspicious that time period is going to be for you. And it is going to activate various houses in your chart. You know, so for you, you have your Jupiter Dasha coming up in 2028. You have that beautiful Jupiter on your ascendant, you know, so it's like without going into any more detail than that, it's like, okay, this is going to be a pretty nice period. But then within that Dasha system, there are going to be sub Dashas, again, giving more precision and accuracy. And we're going to use the Dasha system in addition to the transits. So you're always going to be using the transits and the dashas with one another to give the most specific 
results. Okay. And you mentioned being in dignity. Can you talk a little bit more about what that means? Yeah. And so there are a few ways to find planetary dignity. When I say that, it's like, how well is this planet doing? Is it being afflicted? Is it with malefic planets, planets that give more cruel results? Is it in a house that could be potentially damaging? It could also be in a sign. So in Vedic astrology, the planets do more or less well, depending on what sign they're in. So earlier when I was like, your first house ruler is exalted. Your first house ruler is the sun because you're a Leo rising in Vedic astrology. The sun rules your first house. In your chart, the sun moves into Aries. The sun loves being in Aries. It does super well in this sign. So, and it's in the ninth house. The ninth house is one of the best houses. So this sun is in good dignity. If your first house ruler was you know, in a less positive sign, let's say it was debilitated. And for your chart, this wouldn't necessarily be possible. But let's say someone's first house ruler is debilitated in a Dastana house. That means the planet is in its worst possible sign. And it's in a house that gives kind of negative qualities just by virtue of being that house. So those are two of the easiest ways to find dignity. But there are multiple ways. There are also going to be aspects, different directional strengths. So it it gets pretty complicated, but those are two of the easier ways to find dignity. Is that helpful? Yes. Thank you for explaining all of this. It's clearly very, very complex. But when you have a reading with Christine, she breaks it all down. It is so clear. And obviously it's unique to every different person. And one of the things that really blew my mind was having different signs because in Western, I'm a Taurus with a Virgo rising and a Libra moon. And I've always felt like, yeah, that fits. But then I had the reading in Vedic and I was an Aries sun, a Virgo moon and a Leo rising. But you said it's actually the moon sign, which is more important in Vedic. Is that right? So the moon sign is going to take precedence over the sun. And so that's another difference between Western and Vedic is that uh, Western astrology or tropical astrology, it places a lot of emphasis on the sun. It's a solar-based system. And Vedic or sidereal astrology is a lunar-based system. So the moon sign is going to take precedence over the sun and the rising will as well. So your rising and your moon sign are going to be more important than the sun sign. So you being a Leo is really, it's going to be very indicative of of how you carry yourself through life and what's important to you. And then the moon sign as well. So do you find that people are ever a bit reluctant to let go of the kind of identity that they have created around their sun, moon and rising sign? Because I know all the time on Instagram and the spiritual community, people are sharing memes and kind of jokey things about their signs like oh such a Libra thing oh I'm such a Pisces that type of thing and have you found in your experience that people have some resistance to letting go of that when their signs change in quotation marks under a different system yeah and I always try to like you keep mentioning or have mentioned before just this idea of keeping an open mind being open and receptive to the possibilities. Um, The other thing is that in Vedic astrology, it's kind of like we are 
acknowledging that, and I'm not saying everyone does this, but I feel as I, as, as an astrologer and from other people who are also astrologers who I'm close with is it's, we are a combination of all the signs. When we're looking at a chart, we contain all 12 of the zodiac signs in our chart. Where the planets go, it's going to amplify those signs. You know, there's going to be more of expression of those signs through us, but we're a combination of all of them. We're a combination of all of the planets. And it's not necessarily a way to identify. It's a way for us to illuminate personality qualities, illuminate patterns, illuminate things within ourselves so that we can heal, we can break patterns, we can be more aware of karmic implications we may be carrying with us, thing, tendencies we may lean towards. So it's really a study of self-inquiry and self-development and which is ultimately kind of releasing the ego, releasing the identity and the self. So even when we kind of lean into the space of wanting to identify with one of the signs, it can get kind of tricky. You know, we might get kind of um, caught up in something where it may be helpful to lean away from that. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely about constructing the identity. And it's the same thing with like, oh, Mercury's in retrograde. Let's blame everything on that and getting too attached to these kind of notions and stories mm -hmm. that, that we create. Yeah, I definitely see that. So I know we've talked privately about how Vedic seems to be becoming more and more popular. Mm -hmm. So is this something that you have seen happening? Because I, I think I'm seeing it more and more that Vedic is growing. I don't know if that's just in my tiny little community, but have you noticed <laughs> the same thing? I I think so. I think that Vedic astrology is certainly growing 100%. And even with that being said, I feel like it's still like such a small <laughs> thing because such the vast majority, I would say, of Western countries use Western astrology. So even though Vedic is growing, I still like it. I feel it's still relatively small in, in comparison to Western tropical. But I definitely think it's growing and I think that it will continue to grow 100 percent. It's very difficult to deny it. It's very difficult to dip your toes into Vedic and witness just how accurate it can be. And, and especially like the predictive aspect of it. It's really difficult to deny what a valuable tool it is. Yeah, definitely. Have you got any thoughts, any kind of interesting things that you've heard on the grapevine or any thoughts that you have of your own about kind of high level predictions for, say, the world or America or anything like that coming up that you could share? Yeah. That is such a great question. And, you know, what I'll share is going to be like a culmination of my own predictions, my own suspicions, and just other astrologers that I've heard from. And um, this is what we're in now. Well, when you publish this, <laughs> I think it'll be like, what, April something? So I think we'll still be, uh, maybe not, maybe we'll barely be out of it. But regardless, whatever time and space someone is listening to this, from February 22nd, 2021 until April uh, 14th, 2021, around then, Mars and Rahu are going to be conjoining. And this is a very intense energy. And so a lot of people, a lot of astrologers are suspecting that around the end of March, there's going to be 
a lot of dissatisfaction. We're going to see a lot more of an uprising, people demonstrating dissatisfaction with the way that things are going. I have a feeling it's going to have to do with the mask thing because here in the United States, a lot of the states are lifting the mask ban. And so I think that there's going to be a lot of tension between people who are pro-mask and people who are not. I think that it's just going to kind of reignite the division that's been occurring. So that's my own personal suspicion. Um, it could it could be something else. But I do think that there is going to be some intensity in these next two months. And for the next couple of years, and I've been talking about this on my podcast for a long time, is that the United States, and I know this is all the United States, so, uh, but the United States does impact a lot of other countries, but we are experiencing our first Pluto return in the second house. And in Vedic astrology, the second house is finances. Um, it has a lot to do with money. It's in the sign of Capricorn, the sidereal sign of Capricorn. And so I've been saying this for a long time. Once Pluto moves into Capricorn, we're going to see changes in the economy, changes in what kind of currency we're using, changes in systemic structures or governmental structures rather. And I think it's going to be breaking down to rebuild something else. And I don't necessarily think it's going to be comfortable. Pluto stays in a sign for a really long time. So I think that this is going to be something that we see slowly. It's not going to happen right away. You know, I think that we're going to see it slowly occur over the next 16 to 20 years, but there's definitely going to be these very, very big changes. Yeah, I can feel that. And I know that in Western, I've heard similar things as well, because actually on the fourth episode of the podcast, I had Sarah James Carter on, who mm. I know, you know, and met in yes. person. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, she talked about the predictions in Western and they were quite similar as well. Wow. Yeah. So what is your favorite thing about doing readings for people? Yeah, well, I would have to say my favorite thing about doing readings for people on a selfish level is that I get to meet really amazing people. The people who are drawn to astrology and personal development and self-inquiry, it's like they're always so amazing and I it's just so easy for me to love working with clients and, and really enjoy getting to know people. So that's one of the best things. And also just being able to provide support and provide a container for deeper insight, personal insight, and noticing how karma may be playing out acting as a guide and how to manage some of this karma, you know, giving a little bit of direction. It, can make life significantly easier if we have validation to areas of our lives that may be challenging or areas of our lives that may be easier. And if we can see something and put a name to it and gain awareness around it, there's so much we can do to change it and work with it in a way that benefits us and brings harmony into our lives. So it's very special. I really love doing it. It is. And I can attest to that. And if anyone wants a Vedic astrology reading, Christine is the person to go to. Like you can tell from everything that she's been talking about on the podcast, how much she knows. She is an incredible teacher. And yeah, I can't recommend her more highly. So how can people find you and how can they work with you? Yeah, well, thank you so much, Liz. Thank you for saying that. Um, 
Well, I am on Instagram, astrology now underscore podcast. My podcast is astrology now is all one word. So if you want to find it on any major platform, it's available. My website is inner knowing.yoga and people can schedule themselves. And my email address, I suppose, if you'd like to email me is astrologynowpodcast at gmail.com. And I do want to say the best way to reach me if you're wanting a reading would just be to go to my website and schedule yourself. Um, and if you have any questions, my email, because social media for me is kind of spotty. I, I'm not the best at social media. <laughs> There's a lot. Like I woke up this morning and I had like nine DMs overnight and I was on my phone just before I went to sleep and I was like, how is this happening? There's so many. So. I feel I you with that one. And they can get lost. And that's what mm. I feel so horrible about is like someone will message me and then there will be a pile up and then I'll try to go through them and then some get lost. And and sometimes I don't even sign on. So email. <laughs> <laughs> email is the best. I respond within 48 hours. Yeah. Perfect. Well, as I said, can't recommend her enough. And thank you so much, Christine. This was incredible. I think it's definitely going to open people's eyes a bit more to Vedic and this other type of astrology, which I can definitely say from my own experience is so powerful, so accurate. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of your wisdom with us. Thank you so much, Liz. I really appreciate you hosting this podcast and creating a space for people to learn and be exposed to new ideas and spiritual insight and philosophy. You're just doing such an amazing work and it's just so sweet to know you. I really appreciate your time and having me on. Ah, thank you so much. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode and please remember to subscribe to this podcast. I'm sure that like me, you would love for more people to know this information. So if you leave a review and send me a screenshot of it on Instagram, which is at I am Liz Roberta, you'll get a $50 voucher code to use on one of my online course launches. This won't be around forever. So go and leave a review now and I'll see you next time.